0: on and sit down and watch this with me. You know you want to watch it and I want you to watch it too.
1: that uh, Tarantino's Star Trek is not only happening it's being fast tracked yeah, and it's supposed to be like rated R yeah apparently. it's it, it's he made a contact con, uh, contractual deal with the studio that his Star Trek movie has to be rated R but he's also already gotten a green light from JJ Abrams and from the studio Quentin Tarantino what, what is making rated a R rated Star, Tra- a Star no, Trek. I'm, movie. Pretty sure no. is, like <laughs> no. I'm
0: pretty sure we're going to learn what the Klingon N word is. Like, what the N word is in Klingon. I'm pretty sure we're going to learn that Things in this you movie. Don't need. Well, uh, although, I'm, I'm <laughs>
1: cautiously not hating this idea because he's not writing it by himself. Like, he's got some legit people working on the script. So. But I just. I but just that's where think... he should be regulated. If regul, if like like if anything, like like well, I. Well, yes, I, that's I where he should be regulated. Is like what he's writer. writing, right. but like as him just directing it, like uh, yeah, absolutely, I'd like yeah. to see his eye go after Star Trek. But I, I mean, uh, as long as there's someone else who's reigning him in script wise, I, I think that's not the worst
2: idea in the I world. I see what you're saying, but like I just fear for like, like when he's just directing, it's like. um um i don't know man it's just like what, what happened to like everyone didn't everyone love justin Lin's go about like that was great what he established and like just right level of
1: campiness you know yeah. and like homage to like the yeah you know, but star people trek hate div- into darkness really yeah people hate into darkness really we're in the minority of thinking that it's pretty, a lot of star trek fans think it's the worst movie ever what it, yeah no people absolutely hate into darkness that's Weird. I g- yeah.
0: I guess. I don't know.
1: They uh, think the con thing is lazy and stupid, and they, yeah, it's. I'm surprised you don't know that people hate Into Darkness. It's, it's, yeah, it's like really... a big deal thing, yeah. huh?
0: Yeah. I guess I, I don't know if Tarantino's the answer. To that no, I don't but... <laughs> think Tarantino's the answer either. But
1: nonetheless, it's happening. Great. Uh, here,
0: here we are. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So,
1: does this include the amount
2: of movies that he's going to do before he retires, or is this like tacked on? I don't know. I uh, hope so. It, it's yeah, hard just to tell. One more closer to the end would, be, would be good for me.
0: I'd oh. do that. Yeah. All
2: right, well, are we ready, guys? <laughs> yeah. Hey, all right. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of I Want You to Watch This. And, um, well, I am your host, Dennis, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Colin and Craig. How are you both? How are you both? I'm good, Dennis. Good. 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 Um, I apologize for uh, the change in plans. Uh, last time you heard from us on an episode, it was we were talking about gonna do in Brotherhood of the Wolf,
1: which it turns out is impossible to find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
2: took us about two weeks to discover that we we can't find it outside of buy you know spending twenty bucks on it, and I just what you know didn't really want to do that at the time, and then it just came up to the moment where we had to pick something and um well we've been uh discussing doing a documentary block for well ever ever since we came up with the idea of doing documentaries i think it was actually colin's idea because he was wanting to do what he picked for this block yep um but uh since it was my, it was my uh, choice to kind of kick it off um uh i picked them um, well my favorite documentary um or one of them uh and that's a uh, uh, fog of war um yeah um kind of a total actually a complete (laughs) change of any other movie that we've done on this podcast um and uh yeah super different from anything we've ever done and which is what i anticipated doing documentaries you know it's a completely completely different you know genre it's not just like sci-fi versus fantasy it's like a completely different way to do movie and you know the subject matter it's you know it's one topic that's just kind of magnified and scrutinized and um uh, really well done. Uh, I know. Um, like growing up, I always shied away from these this genre because it can be just so boring, you know. Um,
1: when done poorly, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and but this, and I, I definitely shied away from this one because this this came out in 2003. Um, and uh, I remember my my father had it, and he'd been wanting me to watch it, but like it's just you know it's just an interview with Robert McNamara. And uh, he was he was 85 at the time, and you know I was in, just graduated from high school. I was like, no, thanks. I'm not gonna <laughs> sit there and watch an interview with an 85 year old. Like I have do. Talking today. about Vietnam and yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And so I didn't watch it until um, uh, I took my favorite course I've ever taken, which was uh, uh, nuclear dilemmas. I took my senior year in college, and it was amazing. And they showed a segment of it, um, and uh, and then I was like, fuck, I gotta watch it. Um, But before I ramble further on about it, um, I'm just going to kind of briefly sum up what what it is. Um, Fog of War, uh, it was, you know, it came out in 2003. It's an Errol Morris documentary who's famous from just doing documentaries. Um, And this movie is an interview with Robert S. McNamara, who was the Secretary of Defense from January 21st, 1961 through February 29th, 1968. And then he went on to be the president of World Bank from '68 to '81. That's um, when he retired, and um, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, he, it's you know, it's an interview with him, like going over the course of his life, and you quickly discover that if any like american involvement on the world stage happened robert mcnamara was involved
1: <laughs> like basically from the end of world war ii up until yeah. the end of vietnam and even including McNamara, like yeah. some world war ii stuff you know yeah he was like involved relatively heavily in some of our interactions in world war ii so yeah was... in um the,
2: the movie uh, the, the 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 title in, in its entirety
1: what what it's it's robert 11 Mac- lessons yeah um from, from robert
0: mcnamara well so he uh, Morris actually chose the lessons yeah yeah but Errol Morris chose but McNamara expounded on them with his experience within the Vietnam War the Cold War and World War II right yeah
2: and um, the lessons are as follows Uh, one empathize with your enemy Uh, two rationality alone will not save us Uh, three there's something beyond oneself four maximize efficiency Uh, five personality should be a guideline in war uh six get the data seven belief in seeing are both often wrong eight be prepared to re-examine your reasoning nine in order to do good you may have to engage in evil uh ten never say never eleven uh you can't change human nature and um yeah, he's terrible human being. <laughs> it's kind but of- well, but the- I, I, he
1: is, and he isn't. I mean, I think throughout this interview and throughout this whole movie, you kind of get a sense of you understand why he did a lot of these things, and you you, you see him as a real person, and you you can kind of see how he justified a lot
0: of well, stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, well, right. justifying it and actually, you know, being a decent person are two separate things, but uh i i get what you're saying and i do agree partially Uh, i would say he's a very pragmatic individual right he's extremely pragmatic right um which uh, again is I, i do feel like there was like you know this like kind of like balance of like humanity but it was kind of weird like watching like he, like, teared up at, like, the death of JFK, but, like, talking about, like, you know, like, burning down, like, Tokyo, like, and right. things like that, he was kind of, like, very, like, stoic about.
2: Yeah, and then just being, like, oh, and then we dropped the bomb on it, and that was a little, oh, it was probably overkill. And it's like, you fucking think? Yeah, like- so
0: I feel like he's very, like, he he's very uh, adept at, like, compartmentalizing, like, the things that he does feel and doesn't feel about. So, like, right. like, like again... Like, he was tearing up when he was, like, talking about his wife and, like, when he was talking about JFK. Oh, and, like,
2: how his family was totally off limits. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Uh, and, but, yeah, but then again, like, yeah, he would describe these, like, military strikes where, like, you know, you know, thousands of civilians died in Vietnam and kind of, like, do it with this, like, this kind of, like, air of... With of, this total
1: detachment. He's yeah. saying, like, we killed, like, thousands of innocent men, and, women, and children. And you're kind of like, wow. But then right. he also shows some that he's a real person at other times
2: well like like the 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 the, where like i had i have an issue with him it's like like so the the movie starts off where they're talking about the cuban missile crisis and just how like we came fucking within a hair's breadth of um basically annihilating the whole planet in a nuclear war and um he uh talks about how meeting castro in the 90s and he asked him like about that time, and he was blown away by Castro's response. Where Castro was like, like he responded, he was like, "Yeah, of course, we knew that the Russians had had missiles in our in on our uh, on Cuba, and yes, of course, I I personally advised Khrushchev to use military force." And yes, of course, the fallout would be no more Cuba. Yeah. Like, I anticipated these things. And, and for and- Magnum Mary to be blown away by that, it's like, that's where, like, I'm like, you fucking son of a bitch. Because it's like, like you're not aware of your actions on that level, you yeah. know? And, and that late in your life, too, like, in the 90s, like, after, like, you know, technically when the Cold War is over and everything, like, to, to, to be <laughs> okay with, like, blanket bombing all, like, all of the shit that he did in Vietnam and all the shit that, like... You know, he advised in World War II, or well, he led like, the advice, Well, and that, that
1: brings us to like the the lesson that I have found most I took away from this most, and what terrified me most was rationality won't save us because he's talking about um, how close we came to nuclear destruction, and he says Kennedy was rational, Khrushchev was rational, Castro was rational, and we still came like an inch away from total global destruction, yeah. right? And now we're in a situation where we have somebody out with this finger on the button
0: who's and the absolutely irrational, irrational. Right. yeah.
1: And it's like,
0: well, two people really. I mean, well, I mean, who knows what the fuck is going on in Kim Jong Un's head, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, like what, what, like what you were saying about like how he was just kind of like you know willing to just like blanket bomb like Cuba, like, and I mean, he he pretty much out and right says it like he thinks that you know it might not have been such a bad thing if we just like nuke the fuck out of Russia at that time because at least then we would have had like the superior like the superior advantage he was like if there was a time for us to have like gone actually gone to war with Russia it would have been then when we had like 10 times the nuclear capabilities that they had right. at the time like and it was like kind of like weird for him to say that like uh, not weird i mean it was just kind of like um I know, a little disturbing to like hear him say like that to just kind of like that cavalierly be like, yeah, we probably should have just like should have at that yeah, just like yeah, but he's also saying like, no,
1: we never should have done it, and it's good that we never did it. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not just McNamara. I mean, the world like Kennedy, LBJ, like everybody was at times thinking, yeah, let's go ahead and destroy the world. Yeah, and and I mean, by comparison, he talks about Curtis LeMay who was an absolute maniac yeah no
2: kidding and uh um that like brings me to a point in it where like um i absolutely love the filmmaking and the editing and like just how errol morris uses um the aesthetic of like cold hard facts and papers and signed documents and like footage and stuff to completely counter argument uh McNamara without saying anything you know where like like you know like like off camera like Morris obviously asks him was like so did you like advise the firebombing of Japan and like McNamara's response is like well you know well that was LeMay LeMay was well yeah, yeah but like he, fir- he yeah LeMay was you know he's the one that had essentially pulled the trigger but McNamara said he's like Well, I guess you could say that, you know, I was part of the mechanism involved in it. And, like, when he says that, it shows, like, all of these signed papers, like, advising LeMay to, like, firebomb and use these weapons and to fly the planes at this altitude and everything because of these numbers will result in the statistics that you want. Because he's just looking
1: at data. Exactly. McNamara is just looking at the statistics at the data and saying, like, it's more efficient if we do it like this. Right, because he's a meth nerd from Berkeley. And, like, that's why he got
2: into the position that he was in. In, in World War two you know and he wasn't you know
0: but uh, yeah that, that that just goes back to that pragmatism of, of him yeah just being kind of like a by the numbers type of guy like regardless of like uh, like you know what was it rule number four is uh efficiency maximize efficiency right and so it's like uh and then like that kind of like pairs with the um you know in order to do good you may have to engage in evil so he's like He's, like, got all of these, like, rationales for, you know, like, saying, well, like, if we're going to kill people because we're in a war, like, at least, like, we need to kill the people, like, kill people in the way that's most effective, not in the killing of the most number of people, but in killing in ways that most adversely affect your opponent. So, right. like, uh, and I think he says that, like, almost verbatim, like, within the documentary of, like, yeah, it's not about, like, killing the highest number of people, it's about Having the most impact on your adversary's efficiency, and like by being the most efficient in like doing that, and it's really just it's it's just kind of fucked that like you know if we have like that this is like a thought that has to be like you know proposed at all, but like given the world that we live but in, it's just like that's war. It's, like, yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Given mean, the war, then the circumstances, it's kind of like it has to be done, and God, I just. I'm such, like, a pacifist, and I just, right. like, I just, I hate, like, even, like, con- like conceptualizing this type of shit, like, and, <laughs> and justifying it, but it's just like, well, I mean, like, considering it does make sense. But if you're going to be
1: in a war, yeah, you need assholes like McNamara. You need the pragmatic guy who's going to get you, like, the most effective results. Yeah. Yeah, but you also was... need,
2: like, a guy, a person that fucking, like, stepped back and, like, like... <laughs>
1: analyzes if it's actually a good idea in the first place and like why they're there which he then does i mean one of the lessons is you need to re-examine your thinking when he's and he's talking about vietnam and how he's re-examining our position in vietnam and he says we saw vietnam as an element of the cold war and not the way the soviets saw it as a civil war right like we were the ones who were blowing that out of um out of proportion on the world
0: stage right Well, I I think too that, uh, and I feel like McNamara kind of sees himself this way as 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 just kind of like a tool to be used, uh, because like even like when he like even when he moves into like the corporate world of like you know World Bank and like Ford, um, Ford. and I was kind of like reading afterwards about like uh, because like on the DVD apparently there's like ten more rules Uh uh, that he provides, uh, and like you know like some of them like you know are like you know, like in terms of like corporations, like, you know, it's not just about shareholders. It's about it's like your employees. It's about like your customers. It's about like, you know, maximizing like all of the efficiency, like to provide the best for like all of those factors, not uh. just your shareholders. And so I think that he is um, like, you know, like that was the job that he took on as secretary of defense. And so he was, you know, being utilized as like the numbers man for, you know, like these engagements that like he wasn't necessarily the person that was uh directing those like he wasn't the person saying like we're going to war but he was the person that was saying like now that we're in war like how can we like get out of war as quickly as possible like how can we like finish this as early as possible and as as efficiently as possible and um like when they were talking about his time at ford um where he was like the first person not in the ford Family to actually be president of the Ford Motor Company, um like it's kind of like that same thing, like where, you know, he's like responsible for seatbelts, you know, right. like and yeah. like you know things like that. So I think it's and,
1: and he's the first person looking at this data saying like if people would use the seatbelts, then like these traffic injuries and fatalities would go down dramatically. But yeah. people just aren't using the seatbelts.
0: Yeah. So he's kind of like a. I think he's he's he is kind of like cold in terms of like you know like he does have to like distance himself from the actual like people of things but like when he actually is in like you know like that corporate world where it's like actually towards like it is more of like a communal like we need to figure out how to like help like more than just like this one group of people uh i think that he's also he was also effective in that way too so it's just it's it's a complicated world. He's a complicated guy. Overall, I definitely think that uh, the circumstances that he was in, or what shaped, you know, like the decisions that he had to make. Yeah, I agree with uh, that. And-, and
1: to that end, I mean, he was one of the people who was putting things out, trying to pull us out of vietnam right. in yeah. the kennedy era and then lbj was the one that kept who, who ba- basically said no and then mcnamara is on the line to manage this disaster yeah. you know even though he wanted to get us out of it right yeah um if you watch the the fall fo-
2: kind of the follow-up movie uh the unknown known which is the interview with um, uh, donald rumsfeld um also by earl morris right yeah. also by earl morris You can really see the contrast between like kind of what we're talking about you know where it's like you're a victim of the circumstance versus someone who like forces the circumstance to you know be a victim of them pretty much (laughs) um and uh i I, you know i definitely think that mcnamara is a farmer but like it's just like like i can't help but like it it, like it, it really sticks with me when like you know he talks about like uh proportionality should be a guideline in war when like uh, you know th- like they they talk about the firebombing of of Japan at the end of World War Two, and uh, they use the comparisons between the city United States cities and in I mean, terms of like general population general population, population yeah. size, and uh, I mean if that whole country was completely annihilated, yeah, like it was absolutely annihilated like before you know there was ever a need to drop the nuclear weapon, and um, the re- and that brings me to what like well uh, like a uh, the reason why we watched it in the in the class that you know uh, nuclear dilemma is a college course that i took was that the professor was making the point that it was like we never had to drop the nuclear weapon we only did, we dropped it because we wanted we knew that the soviets were developing it and we wanted to show the soviets that we did it yeah and that what better way to do it than you know to you know seal the deal of ending world war ii with it you know and just showing the world on stage you know of what it's capable of doing yeah um, and it's evident of like these fire bombings where we avoided you know Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima with these fire bombs in order to show the the actual potential of the
0: bombs. Well, it's like um, and again, yeah, this isn't to like, you know, um like redeem him or like you know,, uh, you know, have any sort of like retribution for him because like he was, yeah, he was a party to many a foul thing um and it and it's at the same time it's like you know like the just you know following orders type of mentality um which is still kind of fucked up too uh but it's it's kind of like weird to think of like you know like like he might have been like the best person for the job and it's like who knows like what would have happened if someone else who wasn't as you know yeah if there had been like you know like a rumsfeld type you know right. like in that same position at that same time like what like how much more like could have been like of just like abject cruelty in terms of you know like let's just show him what we have and he does say like you know if we hadn't won world war Two, right like, we would right. have been charged we, yeah, yeah, we would have been charged as war we what we and were doing
2: like, were war crimes yeah
0: uh, and yeah, he's, yeah, he, he like fully like takes on that and like, doesn't try to deflect from that at all. Like, which is another thing that is kind of, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a difference of like, yeah, someone who like, feels like they're doing what's best, you know, for, you know, their country and, you know, overall, right. like what they think is best for the world, even it does, even if it does fuck over like one, you know, portion of the world's population, you know, um is yeah like he still does like bear the full like brunt of the responsibility of that he doesn't try to uh distance himself from that at all which, yeah he
1: he never yeah. during this interview he never deflects anything yeah uh, except from saying like his family like his personal life is is off the table like he in terms of his professional life like he never deflects he faces everything head on and yeah. says like yes i did this or like here's what i was thinking at that time right
2: yeah and you know there's, there's it's not like you know like gotcha journalism or whatever it's not like more earl, earl morris was like trying to corner him or anything you no. know um nor does it feel like he's
1: like softballing any kind of questions towards him you know which is and, and that's what makes this such a really good documentary is right. that it's like one um he's not deflecting anything and two morris isn't like softballing like right he's, yeah. he's really throwing it at him and he's actually responding to everything yeah and and that's why like it ultimately
2: is like falls into like one of my favorite documentaries it's like it's such a great historical piece in the 20th century and and, in in like what happened and like why from this point of view um and it's terrifying it really is (laughs) it's it's fucking terrifying um this movie is scary
1: um Let's talk about the score because it's music oh, by yeah. Philip, Philip Glass. Glass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so that's really a thing that helps to shape it as a viewing experience because, like, the the score fits to, like, the images that Morris puts under all of this so well that it ties everything together and makes it, like, way more enjoyable as a watch.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely keeps you um, engaged. I mean, like I said, it's... Um, and uh, uh, as you found out uh this is just a conversation with the guy um and uh you know uh, the between the score and the just the the editing and just like the whole like aesthetic of it all like it um it, you don't know that it's an hour and 47 minutes long it's pretty impressive you right know? um which i mean shit, even like the most engaging college lectures that i've had can't hold my attention for near on two hours like that you know <laughs>
0: Um, Um, I have like the other ten rules he has here. If you guys want to hear those, oh yeah, sure. Uh, so these ones are a little bit longer. They're they're more kind of they're not just kind of like one line. So we've got uh, the human race will not eliminate war in this century, but we can reduce the brutality of war, the level of killing, by adhering to the principles of a just war, in particular to the principle of proportionality. Uh, The indefinite combinations of human fallibility and nuclear weapons will lead to the destruction of nations we the u.s are the most powerful nation in the world economically politically and militarily and we are likely to remain so for decades ahead but we are not omniscient uh, if we cannot persuade other nations with similar interests and similar values of the merits of propose, of the proposed use of that power we should not proceed you unilaterally except in the unlikely requirement to defend directly the continental US, Alaska, and Hawaii. Moral principles are often ambiguous guides to foreign policy and defense policy, but surely we can agree that we should establish uh, as a major goal of US policy, uh, foreign policy and indeed of uh, foreign policy across the globe, the avoidance in this century of the carnage, uh, 160 million dead caused by the conflict in the 20th century Uh, We the richest nation in the world have failed in our responsibility to our own poor and to the disadvantaged across the world to help them advance their welfare and in the most fundamental terms of nutrition, literacy, health, and employment. Uh, Corporate executives must recognize there is no contradiction between a soft heart and a hard head. Of course, they have responsibilities to stockholders, but they also have responsibilities to their employees, their customers, and to society as a whole.
1: I, damn um, <laughs> President <laughs> Kennedy
0: believed in primary responsibility of the president, indeed the primary responsibility of a president is to keep the nation out of war if at all possible, uh, war is a blunt instrument uh, which to, by which to settle disputes between or uh, within nations and economic sanctions are rarely effective, therefore we should build a system of jurisprudence based on the international court that the U.S. has refused to support, uh, which would hold individuals responsible for crime against humanity, Uh, and then, uh, sorry, there's just two more here. Uh, If we are to deal directly, or deal effectively with terrorists across the globe, we must develop a sense of empathy. I don't mean sympathy, but rather understanding to counter their attacks on us and the Western world. And then the last one is, one of the greatest dangers we face today is the risk that terrorists will obtain access to weapons of mass destruction as a result of the breakdown of the non-proliferation regime we in the U.S. are contributing to that breakdown. So yeah,
1: I can't really argue with much of right anything that he says in those other ten rules. But again, as much as it's like, like pragmatic, <laughs> you know, some of this was like, yeah, from a moral stance, some of this is iffy. But you can't say he's wrong. Yeah, right.
0: I mean, yeah, that's um, and that's kind of the thing is like they all kind of like feed into each other. Like you know, like the more Or like, you know, like the less, you know, disparity there is between, you know, like wealth and like, you know, economic disadvantage, then like the less inclined there, like we would be towards war, like the less need we would have for war, because, you know, most of it is, you know, like, you know, when it's not like flagrant, like, you know, like war ideology, it's usually starts with like something having to do with like resources or lack of resources. And so like things like that, or like if there was more, you know, equity, like globally, then there's gonna be less war because
1: (laughs) if it's not an ideological thing then as long as we're like evenly distributing the resources (laughs) right we all do better when we We all all do do better better. and i like that he says like the primary job of a president should be be to keep us out of war at all costs because that's i mean war (laughs) is war it's it's the horrible right hmm well, um, that kind of wraps me up in my notes. Um, I've, I've got like a couple little things. Um, one is just a silly uh, little. Like about 30 minutes into the movie, they play a piece of FDR uh, fireside chat and i've been listening to a lot of like early seasons of superego so, right. <laughs> so <laughs> as soon as that happened i just had jeremy carter in my head like <laughs> my fellow americans <laughs> we're gonna find out that we're doing this on radios so you don't find out i have a volt chase of the wheel <laughs> but it just put me in the head of like that sketch on superego um <laughs> This movie has an 8.2 on IMDb, a 98% Rotten Tomatoes, a 93% Audience Tomatoes. It had a budget of roughly $41,000 and has made about $4 million. Wow. Uh, and once again, when a movie has like a 98%, I like to go and look at like who the few critics are that gave it bad reviews. Um, Jake Uecker, uh, from F5 in Wichita, Kansas, questions if the film is intellectually effective... He says it's emotionally effective, but questions whether it's intellectually effective, to which I'm like, the,
0: this did, like we, the driest, did we most watch like, the same movie? Yeah. Right. Like the um, exact opposite. Yeah.
2: I felt like, yeah, like people would struggle with it emotionally yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it it's so
1: intellectually dry.
0: Yeah. Because it's, it's like very like cold, hard look at like war. Right. Jonathan
1: uh, Rosebaum of the Chicago Reader uh, says he likes a lot of the stuff but questions what story errol morris is trying to tell and it's, i'm like it's a documentary it's <laughs> not a story yeah. we're not it's not like linear storytelling right. is a movie where it, it's a conversation with a guy about a, there's also like again, very clear the, the, outlines and <laughs> like
0: the rules that are set exactly like, it's like, right it, it also does have a very like Clear yeah. frame, like, yeah. on it. <laughs> it, it. It talks
1: about stories that happened. Yeah. Like, but the one I found most egregious, there were three bad reviews, and this is the one that I found most egregious, was uh, Sean Burns from the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Weekly says, "A wash in artsy-fartsy tinsel, the fog of war is full of shiny surfaces and missed opportunities. What? It's the cinematic equivalent of a sharper image catalog. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like, what are you even saying yeah. I'm like that's just crazy to me
0: yeah yeah I don't <laughs> understand yeah I, I guess you're entitled to your wrong opinion <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> you, you
1: can be paid to write about movies but yeah
2: that's... maybe they're referring to the legions of other movies that are called a 4 <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe he watched a different movie yeah <laughs> the review just
1: crossed the wrong stream (laughs) Uh, but yeah that that wraps me up for it this is like it's a really good doc i mean it's really well done it really is seriously if you haven't watched this watch this yeah um it it taught me much
2: um about what the fuck kind of happened there you know in all that time that i wasn't alive during the 20th century (laughs) (laughs) um and just you know kind of the the um The world that our parents grew up in you know because this is from the mouth of our grandparents generation and um well in my case it's my parents but uh. right yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's you know that's a that's a very important uh point of view that is just kind of disappearing now so yeah high recommendation for that uh kind of so that'll wrap up our first iteration into our uh, into our documentary blocks. Yay. What are we doing next, Gaz?
1: Is it going to be your pick, Colin? Uh, It can be if uh, Craig doesn't have one off the top of his head at the
0: moment. I don't have one off the top of my head at the moment. Okay,
1: so we are going to go from a documentary about um, war and all the things around that to being super meta on our show about movies. We're going to talk about a movie about movies. So we're going to be talking about the documentary – electric boogaloo the wild untold story of canon films it's all about um this independent film company that made just a bunch of b movies throughout the 80s uh the rise and fall of them how they rose to like big prominence being distributed by like mgm and stuff and to where they went off of their business model and ultimately collapsed so it's it's a fascinating story about this studio. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah,
0: I've seen this one before on your recommendation. Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm I'll watch it again for sure. <laughs> I've I to. I'm excited because um, it's crazy. Nothing's <laughs> it's, it's totally crazy. Just the fact of like what
1: actually happened and like how they these guys did this and how the characters that they are. Like I cannot wait to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
0: cool. Save it for the episode, Colin. <laughs> save <laughs> it for the mic. Save it for the mic. Well, we're on the mic. We'll yeah. save it oh, for the next time. Save it for yeah, but next we're, time. Dude, we're going meta yeah. in homage
1: to the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh-huh. movie podcast is talking about a movie about movies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then maybe we'll do a whole bunch of, like, making of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> cool. Well, uh, looking forward to that. It's just, like, pretty much video of you just, like, at a computer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it'd be audio it would just be audio of me yes doing just that of you editing <laughs> which is really audio of me doing sudoku while i listen to the podcast um <laughs> anyways <laughs> on to i guess uh recommendations um i'll uh, kick us off i have a i have a music recommendation um i going through uh Spotify, if you have a Spotify account, um they did something really cool recently where they compiled all of the music that you like spent most of your time on and put it into a hundred track playlist. How and many hours did you have? It's like twenty over twenty thousand. Oh yeah, it. thirty-eight thousand. Damn <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen so. to your podcast through Spotify
0: or uh, not really? Usually I use the stitcher app. Oh. So it was like, it was pretty much music. Dang. All right. <laughs> I like, I think I have like wow. over like 1200 artists that I listen to. Fuck. Like, yeah. Damn dude. I get all over. <laughs> <not>. <laughs> I get around. Too. Um, I, I
2: forget my artist number, but um, yeah, no, it was, it's a really cool thing. And then it also does a uh, um, music that you missed, uh, which is just like, uh, it's a playlist. It's like, you know, music like it. And uh Also really cool, and um, I believe through that I discovered the band. uh, Well, it's really just one dude, uh, Moss of Ara, which is kind of a stupid band name, Um, (laughs) I think so at least. Um, But the album uh, "Waiting" by Moss of Ara—it's just uh, instrumental uh, music, um, mostly synth, kind of beachy, real laid back, real simple. I can't fucking get enough of it. I'm constantly <laughs> listening to this album. Uh, so yeah, that's the album Waiting by the artist Masavara. Um, so yeah, that's my recommendation. Nice. What about you, Craig?
0: Um, I'll do like a quick one and then a longer one because I was like, the one that I want to recommend is like everyone's probably going to go see it anyway because I think it's like on its third week of being number one at the box office, <laughs> which is Coco. Oh. oh my God, it's so adorable. It's fucking super formulaic Pixar, but like... With like a different, you know, just like a different theme, right? Like, but it's like pretty much all the Pixar everything. But
1: again, it is, it's going to be like one of those Pixar movies that's like absolutely going to make you cry. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent! I was like
0: <laughs> weeping at the end. I was like, I like seeing exactly what was coming, and like when it happened, I was still just like, oh God, <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I would also like to recommend uh, *Insecure* because I've been going through the second season of that again, or not again. I missed it when it first aired, and so now I'm watching it. Uh, Issa Rae, who was like originally of *Awkward Black Girl*, um, she had like a YouTube channel, a book, uh, and she's just like one of the most amazingly like intelligent and beautiful people like in the world. Um, yeah, she's pretty wonderful. And uh, the music on the show is really good, too. It's like, uh, everything about it is just fantastic. Uh, highly recommended. Insecure.
1: Cool. Awesome. How are you, Munch? I'm going to recommend uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, I think this movie is full of outstanding performances throughout. I think every single person in this movie gives a great performance. I would be shocked if Frances McDormand does not win another Oscar for this movie. Oh, wow! That's how great she is. Um, but also Woody Harrelson is amazing in it. Sam Rockwell like almost steals the movie. It It's a great, great script. It's an awesome movie. It's very, I think one of the best movies of the year. Like
0: I go might, see it for sure. I, I, I might have to check it out because I've heard from two people that I really trust their movie tastes, like very opposing opinions of it. Uh, I was talking with Lance about it, and he said like yeah. he really didn't like it, and that there were oh, a lot yeah. of like, problematic, Lance, so like, like, like... really racist things in it. Th- so there so are, influenced. but
1: it's, it's again, kind of examining that as Missouri. It's kind of commenting on it, but not in a very...
0: It's kind of like this is just how the people are. Yeah, like, it,
1: M- Martin McDonough is just kind of presenting it as like this is how that is. All
0: right. Well, since it's, I've got like two really opposing opinions from people I trust, I will check it out and. Make I would my own say opinion. like yeah uh, you'll
1: <laughs> you'll probably balk at some of this stuff, but I'm just for the. Acting performances that you're gonna see in this movie, like I would say, check it out. But, so but it's under, true to life, but but, like, but understand, but true to that life is also it's like true to life Missouri. Is, is a, yeah, <laughs> they're racist in Missouri. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Indelible ACP like literally has like a warning for black people traveling to Missouri. Like right. Yeah. So yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, it's
2: like a it's like how I how I explained like my love for Mad Men. Like I think it's like one of the most feminist shows out there. And people are like, what are you talking about? It's all about how like women were oppressed. And it was like, yeah it was the 60s it's like that's what i'm getting at it, it was the 60s <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's why i think it's so amazing <laughs> um cool well shit i'm gonna have to check that out because um, yes like uh craig i've heard many recommendations to see it and now goddamn it i have to form my goddamn own opinion about it <laughs> um sweet well um
0: what Is that next? an A24 movie? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. I was like, oh my God. They were just like, A24? Get, cause just, cause, dear fucking God. Yeah. I'm, I'm saving
1: for a recommendation later, but the disaster artist. Oh my oh God. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who directed uh, Three Billboards? Martin McDonough. Oh, okay. Who wrote and directed it. And it was one of those things being a theater guy when I saw like martin mcdonough i was was thinking of his plays (laughs) i'm like well that's gonna be a fucked up movie (laughs) (laughs) and turns out it kind of is (laughs) got a running
0: theme
2: all right well um i guess that kind of wraps up this episode uh you can find our podcast on uh what is it twitter that's the place yes
1: on the tweet on, on the tweeter
2: on the tweeter at i-w-y-t-w-t as well as each and every one of us individually on that their website i am at the debucks
0: i am at catharticus i'm
2: at Cullen and you can find all of our episodes on soundcloud soundcloud.com forward slash i-w-y-t-w-t as well as most podcast listening apps your like your stitcher your itunes your castbox your overcasts
0: your podomatic your podcrack addict your pod podcast addicts, not pod crack. Pod, pod, pod crack, crack addicts. Addict. <laughs> 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 I'm addicted to crack,
1: but I also like podcasts.
0: Yeah. I a, listen to them really fast on triple
2: speed. What an <laughs> obnoxious website that would be. I bet mean, it would be like like Spike TV feeding you podcasts, <laughs> just like screaming them at you. Oh, you like, I want you to watch this. Oh, I bet you like these other podcasts. Oh, here's these other movie review podcasts we have for you. <laughs> drink slurm um <laughs> anyways wherever you do find us and there's a rate and review button click it Rate us review us we'll read it well oh, thank yeah. you
0: also like you know I think we've got net neutrality stuff coming up this week oh right? yeah? yeah like I, I'm pretty sure I was god either way like you know write letters right to the fcc yeah right to the fcc like
2: this is the most bipartisan issue it affects everyone regardless of like what the fuck your politics are because it affects how you get what the fuck your politics are out there yeah um and how you retrieve them and like what you're into and you know makes it fair and you know easy access to everyone um yeah man come on
0: yeah if you are looking for something uh i found uh or was uh came across this it's called the resistance spot resist spot resist spot oh yeah Yeah. so uh, yeah you just text resist to 50409 yeah uh and then it like uh you like enter your information and it'll like tell you like who your representatives are like and then uh you like and they're like an issue and you can like send out letters to them like they will send out send it to your
1: representatives yeah. for you and it
2: automatically yeah. formats into a professional style letter yeah um so it's not just like it's spamming your representatives it's using the words that you're writing um it's really effective it's really great yeah uh, last time i tried to use it it was like overload you cannot commute right now <laughs> <laughs> and so i think it's a, a lot of people are starting to use it a lot so yeah that's good. but
0: yeah, if you're like you know awkward like me or just like really really exhausted with like calling all the time right. like this is a really good like alternative for uh yeah people who don't necessarily like have the time or like you know like the uh can't find the words to like talk on the phone all the time uh you can kind of like sit down and formulate a message and this will get to the people that it needs to get to uh so yeah definitely recommend that cuz living in the darkest timeline here so you got to find some some things to you know, you know, just take some action. Take some action, because it's easy to just fucking feel hopeless right now. But let's fucking do some shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll get off my soapbox now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just a quick uh, recommendation. Um, just another little recommendation for um, and a plug, really for. Uh, Denver local podcast and that's hello Denver are you still there yes uh hosted by the great uh the lovely great Brie Coco Davies um you can find it at what was it mutiny
0: mutiny information cafe
2: yeah it's well but the they have a, they have their own podcast is where you find it and it's called like the the mutiny information podcast I think is like where you can find it and it's the most recent episode um and if you are in Denver and you're interested in it in in this uh they they do live recordings it's the last thursday of every month at the mutiny cafe on broadway and um me and craig attended the last one and it was just the best soul food um and it just really um yeah so uh, if you're out there in denver and you're in desperate need of some uh you know feeling like you know the community has died um it hasn't please attend you'll see it's very much alive yeah um and yeah so that's that's my shout out And um, we will conclude this episode with some music by um, the great Mirror Fears from her latest album, Eaton. So enjoy. Bye. Bye.